0: Today on the Scott Bradley Show on 900 CHML.
1: The story that happened this, well, it really happened the last couple of weeks, but it, it. Actually, the interesting part about this story is that it didn't happen this week. It should have happened this week, but it didn't, and that's what makes it a story, I think. And we all know that we've all heard by now this story of Justin Trudeau and the grope in Kokani, the thing that happened a number of years ago. Now, it's. See, I look at this and I think it. Basically, I have no idea exactly what he did. Apparently he grabbed or touched or cupped or groped or whatever her butt. So goes the story. I don't know other people. I'll leave it to other people to decide whether that falls into the high end, the low end, the mid range, whether that matters at all of the levels of groping and sexual harassment and all the rest. The issue here, Mike, Mm -hmm. I don't think is necessarily where on the range it falls. The issue is that we have someone who has positioned himself as the lord and master of feminism, and we believe women, and we, when women say they've been harassed, we believe them and we take action. A guy who has been ruthless in dealing with members of his caucus based simply on allegations, a man who was very clear that Patrick Brown... We don't stand for that kind of stuff when he was accused of things. A guy who has basically set himself as the example of the perfect feminist who showed no mercy to anybody else who was accused of this kind of stuff and basically said, as I mentioned before, women are to be believed when these kind of things are said and we cannot allow this to happen. And then when it happens to him, the rules apparently change. Well, women can misinterpret these things. They can find it different from men. Something happened, but it wasn't wrong. didn't feel bad for me. I didn't think something was bad. There, On and on and on. And I'm looking at this going, how did this not become a problem for him? Because he seems to have weathered it. We seems to have moved past it. If this had been Donald Trump, if this had been Patrick Brown, if this had been Doug Ford, no way this story is gone right now. Do you think? No or, way. Do, do, or do you think society, no do you think we've kind
2: of just gotten used to these allegations? It's like, oh, just another one. All right, no big deal. Let's move on with our no.
1: day. And the reason I say no is because I think back to when did the Patrick Brown story break on CTV? Four months ago? Three months take, ago? Yep. Okay. That night, I remember they said, well, there's going to be a press conference at 9.15, 9.30. It's huge yeah. news. We watched that press conference. There were allegations made that he vigorously denied, mm-hmm. unlike this one where Trudeau says, yeah, something happened, I apologize for it. He v- Patrick Brown vigorously denied it. They went back to panels in studio and all over the place, and people immediately said, well, he can't lead this party anymore. He can't, he can't be the leader of a party. He's got this hanging over him. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know what the Patrick Brown allegations were, and frankly, he's suing now, saying there's nothing to these allegations I'm looking at this, saying the response is vastly different. It's enormously different about how this played out. But
2: it, and I think part of it is because Justin said, "Yeah, you know what? Something happened. I can't remember exactly what happened. And if 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 I did something inappropriate, I apologize. But again, it was 2018, 20, 20 years ago. I, you know, this stuff is getting really tiring for me. And I'm I, with the you. fact the fact that he apologized. It's it's like. Uh, not to get off topic, but in in the world of sports with steroids, we we're still going after Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens because they're denied, 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 denied. The ones that have come out and said, "Yeah, you know what?" Mike Mussina, uh, uh, I forget the guy's name. Yeah, I took it. Andy Pettit. I Andy was Pettit, recovering. Thank you, from, you very yeah. much. I, I I took steroids. I apologize. I shouldn't have done it. Hey, he's sailing off in the sunlight. The other ones are still buried down. So if you admit to your mistake right off the hop, don't try to bury it. Don't try to
1: make a big stink about it.
2: You but can I don't actually think that, move on. You can I get over things.
1: But Justin Trudeau said something back then, 18 years ago. This is brought up. And I, look, I'm with you to the degree that I don't think there's necessarily, I don't think they're not necessarily, I don't think there is a statute of limitations on rape, for example. Now, we're not talking about a rape in this particular case. I don't think that even if it was 18 years later, if it turns out that you raped someone, that you should say, well, it's a long time ago. Just get over it. I don't think that's the response that's to That's completely it. different. That's completely different. I agree with you. However, this story, to me, is a story not because, again, of the level or the growth. It's because of the man who has positioned himself as the judge and executioner and perfect example of male feminism mm-hmm. who will not accept anything less than perfect from his own people. And when he is called on this... Now, and some of the people, don't forget that w- with the stuff that had happened and the things that he'd commented on, they were old as well. They mm-hmm. were old cases. I, again, I what really puzzled me about this story this week is I didn't hear a single women's group, I was going to say feminist group, but women's group have any comment on this whatsoever. I didn't hear one. Because and it, again, if this had been Doug Ford, I, Mike, I would bet you all the money I've ever earned that they would be all over. They would have had a lot to say about this.
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: Prime Minister Trudeau and the grope that happened a number of years ago and what a lot, I mean, CBC, National Post, The Sun, uh, The Star, a lot of other people pointing out the hypocrisy is the story here. It's not the fact that he may have touched someone's bum. It's the hypocrisy of being relentless about perfection in this and purity in this until it's him. So all those news agencies you just rhymed
2: off. Yes. Isn't it, isn't it on their shoulders then to keep pushing and making this top of mind, top of, That's top an, of awareness. And and if they're not doing it, then, Hey,
1: you know what? Why is it news? All okay, it's not news. It, there is isn't. there is a point to that, that you're, you're on. I, I agree with you, but part of this comes from the fact that if you are the media and I'm part of the media, yeah, Uh, and the people who normally would be the critics are not being critical and not saying anything, you don't have anywhere to go. It runs out of steam, there's no gas to feed the engine. But here's my point. The federal employment minister, Patty Hajdu, this week came out and said how much she supports, how proud she is of the prime minister for his handling of this. And again, I go back to the other examples where Allegations were made and without any trial, without any hearing, without any independent corroboration, people were kicked out of caucus mm-hmm. because someone said something happened. There was a quick trigger for some. There's nothing that happens for other. And you know, Mike, there's only one conclusion I think that reasonable people can draw from this. And that is, and I hate to say this because I think that the at the core of the Me Too movement, there is... A lot of good that has to happen, that women have to feel safe, that we can't have men that are feeling free to sexually assault them. I think that the core of that is great, but what seems to be happening here is that Me Too is being shown to be, in many cases, a political weapon. If the target is an appropriate person who's easy, who we don't like, who doesn't fit with our philosophy or our politics, we will drop the sledgehammer of Me Too on them and destroy them. And if it's someone that has supported us, and he's one of us, he's one of our guys, he's a feminist leader, well, he'll get a pass. This goes back to when Gloria Steinem, when Bill mm-hmm. Clinton was going with Monica Lewinsky, Gloria Steinem said that he gets a free pass. The leader of all-time feminist leader said the guy who was abusing who, the power imbalance, which is the big discussion point, uh, don't worry about it. And that's where I'm sitting right now. I, I'm at a point
2: where this, I, I'm glad it didn't pick up steam. He handled it perfectly, the lady you mentioned. You think he handled it perfectly? He, he came out, he goes, yeah,
1: I recall something happening. No, he said he, there was nothing that happened first. Then, okay, there was something that happened, but we interpreted it differently. Hey. Mike, not,
2: that's, he, he was not sitting there denying, saying, no, nothing ever happened. Something happened. And, and where were they? They were at a concert or something? Yep. So lots of things can happen at a concert
1: i look I'm and, a, and i and the agree. other
2: allegations that are coming out against some of these these big names they're it, it's full out rape it's it's being drugged it's it's being it's really serious if it is again we don't know what it actually was was it he put his arm around her his his hand went a little too low down to her buttocks. I don't know. Nothing was even said. I don't even think this lady that brought it up is even happy that it's out in the news Well, she wrote the editorial. She
1: just wants it gone now. She's probably thinking, what an idiot I am for bringing this up. And again, I go back to the point, the hypocrisy that keeps getting mentioned. Justin Trudeau kicked a guy out of caucus for calling a woman yummy. That was enough. And he was a a paraplegic or quadriplegic who was accused of touching someone inappropriately, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, the point is, the point is, this is a situation to me that has now made Me Too, and the cause that is behind it, look like nothing more than a politi- than a weaponization of something. Because if now, if Justin Trudeau, he's he's done more damage, because the next time he has a caucus member who does something, how can he possibly turn to that person and say, you're out? Well, that would be interesting to
2: see how he If it's someone that, on another party means?
1: and they do something in the House okay. of Commons, how can he possibly turn to them and go, you're wrong? Because he... Changed the rules mid-game for himself. But it seems like he had all the support as well. From and, his party. From his party. But, but And I'm sure if it goes the other way,
2: he'll have support to get someone out.
1: It is... To me, it is just... It, it, look, when the Toronto Star and CBC, who are the all-time leading bastions of liberal support, are calling you a hypocrite, you should be listening... And yet, as I say, if this had been, I really believe if this had been almost anybody else. Quite possibly. That it would have been devastating because there's no. It's tough to say. It's all, I think it's all on how it's handled. And I think it's been handled terribly because he first said there was nothing and then he changed when he got caught on that. He goes, oh, well, maybe something. When you argue, and again, this is the guy who is the all-time feminist leader. When you argue, we could have something that happened. And I could think it's one thing, and you could think it's something else. That's the excuse for every guy ever in a case of rape. I thought you were for it, you were against it. Come on, let's get over it. Because really, I mean, who can tell what the truth was? That's that's the that's he has created a new excuse for every single case of rape. And maybe this and again, this wasn't rape. But anyway, I I I find the thing fascinating. I'm just amazed that this story seemed to filter out and peter out. But
2: again, as I said, I know we got to go here. If if this really wanted to keep going, if the news agencies really wanted to keep pushing this, they would be digging. They would be asking more questions. Oh, I think they'd they be are doing a lot more. I think
1: they are. I think this thing f- lost steam because all the women's groups, quite honestly, who had been who largely are very vocal mm-hmm. when it's other people, went silent on this, and I find that also very curious. I find that very curious. I didn't hear one leading women's group who had a lot to say about Gian Gomeshi, a lot to say about other people, nothing here. And that to me is a, I don't know if it's summertime, I don't know if there's something else, but that is very strange.
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh,
1: in studio with Mike Fortune, brightest conversation in Hamilton radio. We're getting
0: through here, Scott. We're
1: getting through, Mike. We still got <laughs> the lights out. Mike's uh, migraine has not flared up again yet, I don't think, although if I keep at him, it might. If you keep talking about thongs, it might. No more thong talk. Well, you know what? We've talked about thongs. We morphed into Justin Trudeau's sexual harassment situation. Let's stay with sex for one more minute or two. Or three. But on some different entire category because it's right front and center this week in the discussion with sex education in schools. Uh, I'm just going to ask you one quick question to get this thing going. What is the parent's role in teaching this? Because that seems, the whole case here seems to be Let's make it so parents don't have to do any kind of teaching of sex at all. We're going to teach every nitty gritty detail right down to everything in school. Where do parents come into this? I think the parents have to have a very vocal role in this
2: topic and there has to be open communication. And we've been like this in our family. We don't make little nicknames up for body parts and all that. We say it what it is and we talk about it. And my son and daughter both know that they can come to either Tracy or I at any point and ask us anything they want. The fact that they go to school and they talk about it, it definitely helps our conversations at home. Um, But we took it upon ourselves to start talking about it before... Um, as they started to enter school. Do you think that's common though? Because I don't think it's
1: common. I think it's very uncommon because it's a taboo subject. No one wants to talk about it. Well, it's, it's embarrassing. Okay. See, are... I think those are two different things that you just said. Okay. Taboo and embarrassing are two different things. Tab- I think it is definitely parents are embarrassed by it. I think a lot of parents don't want to do it. But why? Why? I don't understand why you should be embarrassed to be talking about such an intimate
2: topic with, with, your, with your flesh and blood, what you created. By doing what is supposed to be being taught, you know, um, it's it, it, you have to have an open conversation because if you're not having that open conversation at home, Scott, they're going to get their information from school. They're going to get it from kids on the playground and you should at least be able to let your kids know that you can come and ask any questions. Little Johnny said this on the playground.
1: Okay, that's great. That's let's right. talk. Let's I saw the neighborhood dogs doing something. Let, Daddy. Let, let's talk <laughs> about little Johnny
2: and and his comment or or the neighborhood dogs. But you have to be able to talk about those things. And parents are just taking a free pass on the fact that oh, just you know what, give them to the teachers. You know, it's our it's our babysitter for eight hours.
1: They'll teach them some math. They'll talk to him about sex ed, and then come home. How was your day? Do you think the teachers are less embarrassed to talk about it? Um, now they got to talk about it in front of a class of thirty kids who are snickering and who are. I don't think, I think look, it comes down to the teacher. I've heard various things
2: from my mm. kids in the fact that there have been some teachers that have been very open responsive, and responsive and have talked very maturely about this. I've heard about other teachers who have been giggling about
1: this and kind of making a bit of a joke, and that bothers me. I just think of that scene from Monty Python and the meaning of life. <laughs> What's wrong with a kiss? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it, it, look, it is. I think that honestly, most teachers, if you were to ask them and ask them for an honest answer, would say... I'm not any I'm not qualified. I don't have a science. Theory. I'm not the one who's qualified to be teaching a bunch of kids who I don't know their backgrounds. Mm-hmm. I don't know their parental situation. I don't know I don't know that I am the perfect person to be telling this. Now it, it's my belief that I think teachers should be able teachers should be very comfortable enough to be teaching the names of the body parts, mm-hmm. the biology of how the body parts work, body parts work, the anatomy, the the nuts and bolts if you were. I think that that's I think the we beans can and Franks. we can reasonably <laughs> yeah, we can reasonably expect that I think we can anticipate that that is fair game certainly for teachers that they should be able to do that. It's the other stuff that I'm looking going I'm not sure, I don't know where I think teachers should fall on this thing. I don't know what I think, what I think my expectation of a grade six or seven, whatever it is, teacher, sh- how they should be able to discuss masturbation in front of a class of elementary school kids. I'm not sure that I'm thinking all teachers are any better at talking about this than anyone else or more qualified. But if you're if, if
2: you're not getting it, at, if you're not listening to it at school from your teacher, you know, kids aren't stupid.
1: It's the, inter- it's the internet. They'll they'll, I understand. they'll, 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 they'll Google and yes, they'll be they watching will. movies. They okay, but I'm wondering, and I'm throwing this out there because I'm undecided on this one. This is I, I haven't and you're past all this. Like you didn't well, have to deal with this as much with your kids. I'm right in the middle of it. I wonder, and again, I'm 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 still sorting this one out. So I'm not locked into this position yet. But I'm wondering if because we have put all of this into the classroom. If parents are feeling like they have a free pass and don't have to touch on this, then if we were to send oh, some don't. of it back to the parents and take some of it out of the class, which the most controversial parts I'm talking about, that that are causing all the problems in the mm-hmm. in the in the problems, all the disputes. If we were to take some of the most extreme parts of the sex ed course out and say, you know what, parents, you know your kids, you have that intimate connection with your kids, you teach your kids this. Does that put the onus back on the parents? Does it force them to start picking up the slack? And it should. Of course it should. You're the parents. You're the ones
2: that brought this child into the world. You're responsible for them. You're responsible to make sure that they um, are have the understanding of what's going on in this world and that they the kids eventually make the right choices. And if if you're one of these parents that is shy, is embarrassed, doesn't want to talk about it, well, you know what? Don't be surprised if some things may happen happen to your son or daughter at some point because they weren't educated
1: properly, probably by you.
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: Talking about the sex ed issue because it is front and center. There's been a lot of point of discussion this week and and frankly leading up to this. I I said this last night. We're going to jump back in because I have an idea for this. But um, the one part about this that I don't think that I'm a little surprised about is people's surprise. My surprise is at people's surprise that Doug Ford has cancelled this. Doug Ford ran on a platform that he was going to do this. Mm -hmm. And he did it. And he won a majority. He kept a promise. And the comment that I've heard a bunch of times today and yesterday is well, people voted for him but none of those people really, I mean they wanted to vote for him for other stuff but nobody really wanted this to change. I, I don't know that Anybody has any reason to, any way to prove that? I don't know how many people voted because of the sex ed vow or whatever else. You won't know. We don't know. But I'm, I'm, I am I'm know, I would believe, I don't know, but I believe there are many people that are not comfortable with the sex ed program that was brought in by Kathleen Wynne, just as there are many people who are not comfortable with the one that we're going back to. Mm-hmm. It is not unanimous on either side of the ledger. So, But the, at least there's an option out there. It's better, th- it's better that it's being talked about a little bit than not at all. Well, and this, this, Mike, is my point. Just before the break, we've been chatting about the role of parents because I, I'm looking at this saying, somehow, in this whole discussion, I don't just mean Doug Ford and Kathleen Wynne, I mean over the last 15 or 20 years, we have seemed to cut parents out of this discussion entirely, either by not expecting them to do it or by basically giving them a pass by telling the school will do all the work for you, and that has a let a lot of parents—not you—you've talked about how you talk about it with your kids—but a lot of parents apparently has given them a pass to say, "Hey, I don't have to worry about this. Thank goodness, the school will take care of it." And I don't know what the teacher knows. I don't know what the teacher is going to teach, but the teacher will take care of it. So here's my thing: You were saying, "Well, how do you do this?" If we were to say, let's—if we were to say—we want our teachers to have to be teaching the nuts and bolts, the biology, the anatomy, the function of childbirth and sex and these kind of things. Some of the other things that are at the more advanced slash extreme end that some people are complaining that are being brought in by advocates and whatever. What if we were to tell kids that you are expected to know, to be able to, Talk about some of these things, but it's not going to come in class. The parents are on the hook. You, as a parent, are expected to talk about these things with your children. So, if you are a conservative parent and you don't want, and you want to be explaining in your mind with a transgender situation, the transgender issue to your children and your mm-hmm. from your perspective, they have to understand what transgenderism is. About they have to be understanding that we don't want people being hateful. And vice versa. What if we were to put some of this, whether that's the part of it or not, what if we put some of this back on the parents? I think it's fantastic. However, with that said, you know, speaking to
2: uh transgender, I'm not an expert on that. I don't know I don't I don't know the all the
1: legal terms, the, the definitions. But is that what but we but want our kids knowing about that anyway? Or do we want them not? to be understanding of people so they're not hateful, they're not bullying. Do our kids need to know? And I don't know. I'm throwing this out there. Do they need to know all the theory of the entire process of this or that or the other, or do they simply need to understand? It has to just be an introduction. That's what I mean. It just has to be an introduction. And so, as You're a parent, you can teach you that, go. right?
2: Of course, we can. We can teach the basics. And if they start asking questions, then I know what I would do as a parent. I'd say, well, you know what? Let's look that up together. Let's let's have a, a family discussion about this, and 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 do the, our due diligence. Um, so, but to be able to shy away from it, I think is 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 bad. And if you're a parent, right as soon as the child starts to talk, you should be teaching your your son or
1: daughter about how not to bully, how to respect others, all that stuff. That's so important. How is that not? How are their kids? This is what I don't get. How are their kids showing up in school if this if this has to be part of the curriculum? And I, so let me because they won't have it otherwise. How are they not getting it otherwise? We were we were. Let me just go
2: back a little bit, because when we were pr- getting prepared for this uh, through the school that my kids go to, we had notes sent home to us. You know, this is the year that uh, the Real Alive program starts, and I think it was in grade three or four, oh, where Johnny and Melissa uh, get together and, and they start to date. And it's not like they're teaching everything in grade four and that's it. It has been a progression from grades four, five, six, seven, eight. And the more in-depth you get and the more information is discussed. So as parents, we were sent home a note. We knew what was going to be discussed. We were encouraged in the letter to talk to our kids about this and to encourage uh, talking to our kids after a, a lesson or like you're supposed to do with every kid after a day of school. How was your day? What was your high? What
1: was your low? What did you learn? So we knew what was going to be talked about and discussed. But here we got to to, sign off on it. We got to go to a break. But here is the thing: we're hearing from a lot of people, and this I think is where part of the issue comes. We're hearing from a lot of people that if everything is not taught in school, if these crucial issues of bullying and preventing yourself from being social media sexted or uh, people who will hunt you down and prey on you. If we don't teach those in school, all these kids will be n- lacking knowledge. That is stuff that you surely have to be teaching your kids at home. Do not go to someone who sends you a picture online. Do not. These are things. We can discuss whether these are in school, but don't leave it to the teachers. There, surely there's got to be some parental involvement There is still. no
2: instruction manual out there on how to be a parent, but common sense Thank should you. kick in. Thank
1: you.
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: Hour number two of the Scott Radley Show. Thanks for being here tonight on this Friday of your summer weekend. We appreciate you being here. 54 minutes until we dismiss you to head off to do whatever it is you're going to be doing this weekend. And I hope it's a fantastic weekend. Weather's supposed to be okay. Weather's supposed to be good, nice and hot. So there you go. 54 minutes But before then, we have 54 minutes of radio goodness coming up, starting with your quiz question this evening. And here's what we're going to do. We got a four pack of tickets for the Toronto Zoo to see the Amur Tigers. The rare Amur Tigers are being brought back here. Uh, You can win those tonight. All you got to do is call in to give the answer to the quiz question and be the caller number who aligns with a secret number that Mike Fortune has chosen and told Will before the show, we've got the number locked down. If you are the caller who corresponds with, and the right answer, by the way, who corresponds with that number, you win that four pack of tickets to go to the Metro Toronto Zoo. Very simple. Here is your quiz question. To get it right today, all you have to do is tell me what well-known, very... Singable, alongable song begins with the following lyrics. You're going to hear the lyrics. Tell me what song begins with these lyrics. It's 9 o'clock on a Saturday. The regular crowd shuffles in. What song starts with those lyrics? That is your quiz question tonight. 905 645 or star 9900. That's your cell phone. That's toll-free. If you think you know the answer, here it is, one more time, the lyrics. Tell me what song begins with the lyrics. It's 9 o'clock on a Saturday. The regular crowd shuffles in. You can even sing the rest of it to Will if you want. We're not going to hold you back from exploring your musical expression. 905-645-3221-9900. If the lines are ringing, if you've got a ring... Hang in there. Will will get to you as fast as you can. If it's busy, because we've got a bunch of people calling, if it's busy, call right back. All right? You will get through. You've got 40-plus minutes in order to get this, so no need to panic. 905-645-3221, star 9900. That answer will be coming up later in the show, by the way. Uh, Mike Fortune from Cable 14 in studio with me in a darkened studio a man who spent the day suffering a migraine and yet dragged himself in here literally heroically no it i don't know. throw the word hero around very often <laughs> i'm telling ta- i couldn't even gel the hair today scott it just it's oh, you've got a hat on i was wondering yeah, yeah. nothing it is uh, well good for you thank you for coming Oof. in we really uh we appreciate you coming in and uh if anyone disagrees with anything you say just chalk it up to the migraine if Beautiful. they agree Just say, look, what a hero that he made it in, and I still agree with the words that he said. You're Uh, you're kind.
2: What else you got for us here? Well,
1: here's a a story that we talked about this week on the show, and I'm fascinated by this because my gut reaction, I have an immediate gut reaction to this one, but I want to hear what your reaction is to this. Uh, The Toronto Medical Officer of Health this week Mm Says, you know what? We in Canada are about to decriminalize marijuana, cannabis. October 22, 23, something October like that. Seventeenth. Is it seventeenth? Okay, October. Yeah. Anyway, cannabis will be—it's fine. You do whatever you want. You can go and buy recreational cannabis. She says we should be doing that for all drugs: cocaine, heroin, oxy, whatever. <laughs> we have now an oxy, an opioid crisis. People are dying. Mm. And we need to be able to regulate these drugs, give people clean drugs, know what's in their drugs, allow them to get them. So inject them, snort them, whatever it's going to be so they can do it in a safe place with medical professionals nearby. So we don't have overdoses and make it so it's not illegal. Not criminal for you to have these drugs or use these drugs. What is your reaction to that? I'd like to know what she was smoking when she made that comment. Well, uh, you know, and that's, and I, my reaction is the same, but there's a lot of people that support that. There's a lot of people. I,
2: again, we all enjoy our, our beverages, our whiskeys, our beers, and all that. I have no problem with the marijuana um, becoming legal. I do have an issue when you are all of a sudden getting into drugs that are fully induced with so many different types of chemicals. And I I get if you wanted to have it legal, it's going to be prescribed, but it's going to create, I think, a bigger ball of, of issues that you really truly do not want to get into. And like what? I think the biggest one is going to be addiction. It, we, we're having a big enough time right now with alcoholism.
1: But what they're saying is that because you're not going to have these street sales, at least that's the theory. No, because but you're you not will, gonna... you'll
2: have more street sales because look at OxyContin. You can get that from your uh, from your doctor prescribed. As soon as your prescription runs out, doctor won't give you more. You know a guy. Everyone knows a guy. I, I need more. I need more. I need this stuff now. They're not going to give it to me. So it's, I think it's, it's just going to create an offshoot where
1: all these drug dealers and, and kingpins are just going to make a killing off of this But do you believe then, do you believe that people, if they know that cocaine is legal, let's say, if you can go and get cocaine somewhere and it's legal, will that inspire people to try it? If they If they hear that it's legal, does that essentially tell people it can't be that bad? If the government's saying it's okay to do it. It can't be that bad. But or why, why are people smarter than that? Why them? is the government saying, all oh, this is okay? Well, they haven't yet. Although some people or, from the or government want, have or suggested want, so. Or want
2: to say it's okay. Let's face it. It all comes down to the mighty dollar. They want to be in control of everything. And they want to be in control of the dollars that come into their pockets. And I honestly, if, if a comment like that is made, I don't think they have the best interest of uh, of, of their voters in their minds. They honestly, they, they don't care if we get addicted. They, they
1: want us to be addicted, so they're making more money. And, you know, that sounds like a very cold statement, and I don't believe that's the case from the medical officer of health, but from the government, when you say that, there's a lot of people who go, wait a second, the government doesn't want us to be addicted, and yet they continue to pump out new lotteries, new new things, putting beer in corner stores and in gro- d- grocery stores. The, I don't know that the word addicted is what the government wants, but they sure want us to... They don't want to say it, but that's what it's coming to. They sure down want to. us to use the things that are involved to pay the for those taxes to they generate want, those taxes. They want to make it as easy as possible. Exactly. So their coffers keep getting full. See, here there's a lot of people and I, I was I was maybe I was a little surprised, I don't know. There was a lot there are a lot of people in this country who support that theory that if we have decriminalized, maybe even legalized drugs across the board that it will cut down on Using dirty needles, it will cut down so AIDS will drop, it'll cut down on overdoses, it, all these kind of things. And I, I'm not arguing that I think there is merit to that. I think there's it's probably bang on true that if that is the case, if you can go somewhere and get a clean needle, it probably will. So I, I'm not arguing that part. Here's the concern I have with this the crisis that we're facing right now, the opioid crisis is because opioids are being abused, and that is a regulated drug. Now, I know that fentanyl and other things have come into the market, but essentially what you talk about, oxy and everything, it's a regulated drug. We are now saying we want the government to further regulate drugs. Well, the government has clearly shown its inability to regulate drugs to the point where it will clean up everything. Exactly. These, this is, this issue is being caused by drugs that are supposed to not be available to people and yet they are available to people and it's causing problems. So I, my issue here is I don't believe, I simply don't have faith in our government and I'm not talking about a particular government. I'm Mm -hmm. talking about the bureaucracy of our government, not the, not the party at the top. I'm talking about the bureaucracy. I don't have faith that our bureaucracy is capable of of properly regulating, handling, doing all these kind of things with drugs that it is going to make the problem go away. And
2: to take it a step further, I don't have faith in in us as a society that we can control ourselves. I don't have uh, an an ounce of faith in the fact that if I want to try cocaine now because it's legal, I'm just going to try it. You're going to become addicted.
1: Do you believe that more people... and this comes right to October do you believe more people are going to use or try cannabis in October because so. it's now legal I would I would think they would I, I yeah again a lot of people say no you're crazy if you say that that it's just the people who are going to use it are going to use it and no one else is going to touch it I I'm I'm with you I think that kids especially who hear what I said before if the government says it's okay how bad can it be sure I'm gonna try it yeah and again, from the little knowledge I know about marijuana and how it's going to be
2: legal, you know, it's it's more of a natural product that you're putting into your system. You're getting into cocaine and all these heavier duty, bigger stuff that can really mess with your mind. I think even on a higher level, that that's not good, Scott. That's not good. So come October 17th, and I think you're going to see a lot of older people actually be trying it. The parents. That's where I think
1: you're going to see a spike. That's funny because I, I would not. I, I would disagree with that. That's a, personally. I think that w- the the risk here is younger people who, and I'll, I'll say it. I and mean, often younger men, often whose brains have not fully developed, who go, "Oh, it's available now. Let me let me have a whirl at this one." I and I, not everybody. Not look. I. Every, people are going to say, "Well, you guys are saying that all these people." No, not everybody. Not everyone. Not everyone by any stretch. But there, I, I really believe even with the cannabis to a degree, that when the government endorses it by saying it's legal, you are essentially saying it's fine. A little switch goes off and you're like, okay, I'm doing it. Yet, alcohol is legal, but you have
2: to be that certain age.
1: If the government were to say, if the Ontario government were to pass a new law tomorrow that said the speed limit on the 401 is 170 instead of 100, people would do 170, even though they know that driving that fast may be dangerous for them because it's now legal. I can do it. The government has endorsed that speed. I'm going to travel that speed. Whatever rules the government, wherever the law takes you, wherever the edge of the law is, that's where people are often not again, not everybody, but that's where people are going to go. It's because that's how you're you're being rewired all of a sudden. You're being told that you can do something, so I'm going to do it. Now if,
2: we, we know the speed limit will never that I no, will hope but that, that would never happen. Okay, let's say but the know, government
1: were to say that the the blood alcohol level for drinking and driving instead of point zero eight was going to Uh, something higher that you could get to, which they're not going to do again. But you know what? People would then say, oh, well, then I can have two or three beers. They're not going to say it's too dangerous. Then I I still am not going to do it. They'll say, well, I can do that now, and it's not a big deal. Government laws, government regulations, government sends messages through what they do to say something is okay. And they're all subliminal almost. Well... Sometimes, sometimes, so I don't know. Not everybody is going to go and smoke pot when it becomes legal, but I'm with you. I think more people will, and I, my fear is with the other stuff, back to the start of our conversation mm-hmm. about these other heavier drugs, if it's legal, some more people will, and I don't have faith in our bureaucracy to protect the people that they say they're going to protect. If we had a bureaucracy that could lock it down, that could say, here is the drug supply for North America, for Canada, and it's there's nothing getting out there that we don't release to that particular person, I might have a new discussion. But that's not the case. It's not the case. And like I said, I think
2: that would just open up more for drug dealers uh, across our city, across our province and across our country to uh, get into it even more. Because all of a sudden, they want to be part of this as well. They, they they don't want to lose their market, quote unquote, if you will.
1: And you you know, Mike, there's one other part about this that, and you just touch on it, is the government is saying we are going to regulate. Talking about cannabis, going back to what's coming in yep. October, government saying we're going to regulate cannabis. You will be able to buy legal, go to a place and buy legal cannabis. All right, how much is the legal cannabis going to cost? Well, I can't remember what the exact amount is now, but by the time they add the overhead and the taxes and everything else. It's considerably higher than what you will pay from Bob on the street corner. And that was, it's no
2: different than when I was a kid back in the day, and I hope my kids aren't listening, but in high school when when I smoked, um, why go and spend X amount of dollars at the local convenience store when there is a guy, again, everyone has a guy, who would come to school with packs of smokes in his his gym bag because he got them somehow. No one knew, no one cared, no one knew
1: what was in them. But, yeah, I'll sell you a pack for two fifty or whatever. So the theory that by legalizing the stuff, you're going to wipe out the black market. We're going to get rid of the dealers. We're going to get rid of the distributors, the growers. You're going to make it bigger. Thank you. And I, I, I don't understand how this is not a – there will be people. There will be maybe professional people for whom a couple extra bucks per joint or whatever, it's not a big deal, and they'll say, oh, I don't want to deal with the hassle of the guy on the street corner. I'll go to the store. Th- there, Of course, there's going to be people who are going to do that. But for especially younger people who don't have disposable income and want to buy it, if they can buy a couple joints for 10 bucks or for 5 bucks, Where are you going to go? Where do you think they're going to go? Exactly.
0: And and now,
1: And now you extend that to... Potentially cocaine or heroin, the same business model, I I have great, great concerns about that. And if you extend that um, out to those other markets, of course you're all going to get the stuff
2: that's cut. You don't know what's in this stuff, so it's not really regulated.
1: Look, I I know that some people are saying that we are, both you and I are going to be sounding prudish, that we don't want people to make their own choices. I am am more libertarian about this. If you want to have a bottle of something, if you want to drink something, I'm... That That is not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I just don't believe that the people who are making these rules understand how poorly regulated and difficult it will be to make this happen. And we're talking about, yes, alcohol can be addictive. There's, ab- there's no question that people are alcoholics. And no one's arguing against that. But, but there is still a difference between that and heroin, that and cocaine.
2: But there's still also other factors that come into play. You want to go have your drinks, that's fine. If you're an alcoholic, hey, I, I feel for you, I'm sorry. But don't put my life or other people's lives in danger. If, if you are addicted to cocaine and all that, do what you got to do. But don't put my life, don't get behind a wheel. Don't Don't do things that are going to affect other people that are trying to live a good life.
1: Yeah, I, 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 really, I really wonder. we got to go to break. I really yep. wonder, and I have suspicions, and people may disagree. And I, I welcome the disagreement. I, I'd love to hear from you. If you, wanted, if you want to tell me that you disagree with me, I'd love to hear from you. Radley at 900chml.com. I'm never going to shut you down for disagreeing. I'm happy to hear your opinion. But I really do believe that whenever a government legalizes something, it is giving its tacit approval to that thing. It is saying, that is okay. We may not want you to do it, but it's okay. And as soon as you tell certain people that a certain behavior is okay, they're going to do it. They're going to try it. Cannabis, there are experts who will say you can become addicted to cannabis. There will be experts who say you can't be. Cannabis is, uh, we know it's coming in. Ultimately, you know, we can have that discussion later. Look, but we're now talking about something on a whole different level. But at the same time, it's also a big money maker. You go to of your mailbox.
2: You go to your mailbox, and you go, you get the ad from the LCBO. Oh, margarita Sundays in the summer. Or, Try this new drink. This you're going to be seeing the same thing in five years, three years. Who knows with, mar- uh, with marijuana? hey, try this great
1: new uh, uh, cannabis yeah. during
2: uh, during the springtime while you're, while you're sipping on a gin fizz or something. Oh, have a little toke of this as well, the purple that haze. That's going to be
1: so interesting. It's going to happen. That, when that first lushly produced, heavy stock, glossy, beautiful colored, color, glossy magazine shows yep. up with different types of marijuana. You know, when that happens, and you're right, Mike, you're absolutely right. I had never thought of it, but you're absolutely right. That is going to happen. And I think when that day happens, I am going to have to – I never write to the government. I may have to write and say, could you please – if you have told everybody that you have destroyed the black market and the only marijuana – if you truly believe this, because this is what you're telling us, that the only marijuana, the only cannabis available is through your official stores, why do I need a glossy magazine telling me to come and get some, because the only place I am apparently able to get this is from your stores. Why are we paying for this? I feel the same, quite Mm -hmm. frankly, most of the time about the LCBO catalogs. Mm -hmm. We can't go to the corner store, 7-Eleven, and buy vodka, I don't think. Well, you'll be able to, I think, sooner than later. If I I want to buy a bottle, yeah, but if I want to buy a bottle, I know I have to go to the LCBO. LCBO. So why are you spending all this money, taxpayers' money, sending catalogs to me to tell me to go to the only store where this stuff is available when I know that that's where I'm going to go. It makes no sense, but you're absolutely right. We will be seeing this with pot, and if you don't think, and here's again, I come back to my point, if you don't think that especially younger kids are going to be exposed to this, wait till they're home and they're sitting at the table and the mail has come and they open the paper or whatever else, and there's the pot catalog. It's going to happen.
2: Have those discussions with your. And now do it
1: with heroin or cocaine. I'm not a prude I'm just really concerned about how you're going to implement this if you decriminalize it and how you're going to make sure that this doesn't expand the market rather than solve a problem. It could solve some of the problems. I'm not arguing that. Some on a very small level. Well, the people who are already using, if it prevents HIV and stuff, that's a good problem to resolve, but I don't want to solve a problem by creating another big problem. And that's how I see this thing playing out.
0: (laughs) You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: There is, there was an interesting uh, position that was taken this week at City Council. Uh, Jordan Peterson is being brought to Hamilton. People, I think most people know who Jordan Peterson is. He is a psychologist. He's a U of T professor. He is someone who has been a controversial voice, but certainly a voice that some people believe is the epitome of everything wrong with everything, and others say he is a fresh voice of reason and common sense. Where you stand on that uh, no doubt reflects your political views. If you're on the left, you'll believe one thing. If you're on the right, you'll believe the other. Um, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. However, so Jordan Peterson is booked to come to Hamilton Place to talk And at council, Councillor Matt Green expressed concern and wondered if maybe we shouldn't be having someone like that here. I don't know that we should really be opening up Hamilton's facilities to a person like that because he could attract those from the alt-right. He could, you know, he could really be bringing a message that we don't really want to hear in this city. Mike, I am permanently, perpetually puzzled. A lot of Ps, but I am all those things. Good alliteration by otherwise smart people, and Matt Green is a smart person, who somehow find a way that when someone disagrees with them or has a view that is not theirs, that the default position is let's not let them speak. Let's ban them. Let's censor them. let us He didn't use those words, no. but let, I, I don't understand. I've never understood how smart people end up in that default position to say, this person's too dangerous, their thoughts, not they're not carrying a gun, but their their thoughts are too dangerous, we cannot let them speak here, let's not let them come to Hamilton. I, I find this very troubling.
2: It, I find it troubling as well in the fact that as, as counsel, um, and this particular counselor from time to time, uh, he, he's used the term uh, teachable moments. Uh, this is a perfect teachable moment. This is an opportunity to build bridges as opposed to put in wedges. Uh, This is a great opportunity to come together as a council, as a city, welcome someone in and say, look, you know, we are open to hear what you have to say. Why not? We don't have to agree with you. We don't have to agree with you. Let's make sure that we have the proper enforcement put in place uh, before, during and of course afterwards. But we and I I think he even said, oh, I know all the people who are, you know, freedom of speech are going to be coming out of the woodwork now. But that's the society we live in. But yes, they are. They should be. They should be coming out of the world work. Exactly. Because whether you agree or disagree with what this speaker is going to be saying, if I want to hear what he has, I don't have to believe it, but
1: it's nice to learn some new stuff. Nice to hear something different for a change. I, I don't understand how we have come to a place in our society. And believe me, if you are a regular listener of this show, you will understand where I come from on free speech. I am... As close to a free speech absolutist as there is, which means two things that I would expect you to hear the views of the people that, of me or of people that I agree with. And the trade off is that I am willing to accept and listen to the views of people I disagree with or don't follow because I think it's important to hear two sides of an argument. I don't think there's any value in putting ourselves in a bubble or in a cocoon and shutting out the voices that we disagree with or think are quote quote dangerous.
2: I agree a thousand percent. And it's not like this is the first stop on the tour. He's been to other uh areas, other cities. He's had other talks.
1: With no riots. No issues have happened. No no, no come out of this. Hordes of city folk are walking up with pitchforks and torches on the other city folk afterwards. There's nothing like that. I it, it you know, it it always seems to me that the people and and To be fair, and I want to be absolutely fair, Councillor Green threw this out there in a council meeting, to my understanding, not as a hard ban. He didn't demand a ban. He simply was leaning towards saying, why are we doing this? Why should we be allowing this? Should you be really inviting this person to our city? So he did not demand a censoring or a ban. I want to be fair about that. And other people have done that, and I always think when other people demand that someone be shut down, what are you afraid of? What are, are you, if you if you're afraid of someone's ideas, and if they're so bad, if the ideas that you're going to hear are so bad, there should be no problem with you retorting, giving a response to them, and shutting them down. Mike, if you come in here and you say the Earth is flat, I have no problem with a million different points of evidence being able to show why you are an idiot and why you are wrong <laughs> and i will let you speak and i will ha- let you hang yourself from by your own petard. and then i will show why you're wrong and then everyone will say yeah well M- mike was an idiot for talking look at look how stupid he is yeah. you're not that's what you do you let people have their point and if it's so wrong you can defeat that argument if 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 Councilor Green has done
2: anything, I think he's piqued the interest of, of lots of people. I think that so. It were, wait, what's happening? Who's coming? Oh, maybe I do want to hear this. So this is good for the speaker, I think. Um, but again, we we have people that just
1: at times I don't think get it. Well, the other, the other question I have is. We have very, we are very quick, and 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 again, this is not just councilor Green. This is various places, university campuses, uh, other places, other cities. We are very quick, always it seems, to call for conservative people to be banned. I don't remember the last time I heard someone say that person is so far on the left. Mm-hmm. That we cannot allow them on public property because you want to know what happened? If that was the case, there'd be an awful lot of university professors who would not be allowed to teach because they are Marxist or communist or whatever else. And look, I believe in their right to speak and to teach. But if we're going to say, hey, listen, if you're anywhere in the what we believe to be the further edges of whatever of, of your philosophy you got to be banned there's a lot of left wingers that would have no platform in the city either but I've Fair never enough. heard anyone demand that they be stopped
2: no and uh, you, you probably won't again it's it's one of those things and going back to what you talked about as a society we we get so um, strung up on or held up on what's right, what's wrong and sometimes we don't want to see what's sometimes right in front of you right down the middle. And to be able to hear someone else come into our city with his thoughts, opinions, values, it's not like he's going to be coming in brainwashing all of us and putting us all under and we're all going to be walking out like zombies afterwards. Here's a gentleman who believes in something. He wants to be able to voice his opinion. And he must be very good at it if he's going to be selling out places and he's been doing this talk all over the country. It—it it, He must know something. He must get some points across that people start to think a little differently and there's
1: nothing wrong with that. What if we were to allow this? I, and I don't mean that we're allow going to allow it. the talk. What if we were to endorse a ban and say if you have certain views you can't speak here? Think of where that goes then. Think of think of the logical progression of where that would go because then all right, now who we, we're going to have to have some sort of board, some committee, some Thought police and I don't want to sound over doing it here but we're gonna to have to have somebody who is gonna say uh, we got to vet each person who's gonna use any kind of public facility and no you're not allowed to come in because we think that maybe you're the and then what happens if someone wants to run for office mm-hmm. who we think may have those views well you know can they not come to a leadership debate can they not be at a mayoral or a ward debate or a provincial? Th- just think of where this thing goes if we actually start think of the impossibility Of policing this and the troubles if we were to actually start doing this I think you would start to see a lot more incidents like what happened on March 3rd with the ungovernables
2: you're not gonna let us speak fine we're gonna speak how we want on our terms and we're gonna go up and down your streets and we're gonna make our voices heard and we're gonna cause havoc is that what you want no
1: and let people be heard you don't have to agree with them and there's a difference there's a difference between saying Something that you may disagree with in throwing a brick through a window. There's a vast difference. There's an enormous difference. And so I don't endorse, I, I, I would, I do endorse their right to speak. I do not endorse their right to speak
2: with bricks. But that's what I'm saying. I'm yes. saying if, if, so if we had to vet everyone and we're not allowing people to speak, that's what I'm saying. You're going to see more of what happened and more bricks through windows. More frustration. So you should let people speak. You should let people run for counsel even if they don't have the same beliefs because guess what? We are all so tuned into what we're supposed to think and we're supposed to read and supposed to watch on TV. It's nice sometimes when you have do have that other opinion coming into your other ear. Maybe it justifies the way you do think or maybe it gives you an opportunity to think another way.
1: I'd love, we got to go to a break, but I, I would love to know what would happen if this were ever to become something we did. That we would say, yeah, we're going to start vetting who because the views. What if someone made the claim that Councillor Green's views were very, very liberal? Too liberal for the benefit of society. We, we think he's too far on the left. See, I, I would think that's crazy because we want people to speak. But you know what? If you're going to start throwing out things to say you're too much this way, too much this way, you're now going to have all kinds of people wanting all kinds of people of other people not to be able to speak and it becomes crazy. I want, I think I I, I will fight for Matt Green's right to talk and to say and to have his opinions. I Mm -hmm. think his opinion in this case is goofy. I think it's wrong. I think it's misguided, but I think he should have the right to say it because I believe that he has the right to express himself just as Jordan Peterson does in the city. You don't have to agree. You don't have to attend. You don't have to like it. But we ha- surely we have to have a city where you are allowed to have the freedom to, to do that. Otherwise, where are we? Where are we? Well, we, we, could, uh, we could end up uh, being how uh, Kim Jong-un runs his, his country. I don't know if we're going to be right there. But, no, I, but, I, but your point is exactly right. Your point is right. If you, if you start this.
2: Where does it stop?
1: Where does it stop? The line starts to move. It starts to get narrower and narrower and narrower. And then all of a sudden, who is actually allowed to speak? And you might ever, be out of a job, Scott. Uh, I guarantee you, I'd be out of a job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Scott Radley Show, weekday evenings from six to eight on 900 CHML.